What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode two of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm your host, Brad Van Vunt. I'm Emily Van Vunt. And uh, welcome uh, to, ep- to our second shot at this. Uh, we First one we had a couple weeks ago. Thank you for everybody who uh, downloaded episode one, listened to that. And thanks for all your feedback. It was much appreciated. Yep. So uh, on this week's show, we're going to talk about probably um, our favorite designer, yeah, I, I would say, so. is Stefan Feld. <laughs> um, take a look at some of his games because we've played many of them. Some we liked, some we didn't like. Um, basically, just take a look at the catalog, see uh, basically what we like about uh, two-player games of his, um, how his games treat two players, spoiler, pretty well. Um, and we'll get into what we've been playing. But first, uh, just a couple things. If you want to be able to reach us, um, you can do that through Facebook and Twitter. At uh, Tabletop for Two is where you can find us for both of those. We also are on Instagram as yes, well. Yes, I finally showed Honey how to use Instagram. I, never, I didn't have it downloaded on my phone. <laughs> So, but uh, anytime we usually have game nights, we're posting pictures on there. So you can check that out as well. Um, also, you can subscribe to the show at Podbean, um, which is where we're hosted. Uh, and also on Stitcher Radio, uh, you can check us out as well if you use that. Um, hopefully, I iTunes. Like Stitcher. That's yeah. what I use. See, I, I like downloading my stuff, but I know a lot of people that like streaming. So it's very I, useful for I that. I don't mind the streaming. Well, I don't you, listen to two, you don't listen to that many shows. Yeah, I don't listen yeah. to that many podcasts. I don't need to download them all. No, and uh, like I said, hopefully uh, we get the iTunes thing worked out this week. They've been awful slow to uh, to respond, but uh, hopefully we'll get it on there as well if we can. Um, so yeah, why don't we uh, just get into what we what's hit our table past couple weeks? Uh, okay. Well, the first thing that we've played recently was um, Xenoshift Onslaught by Cool Mini or Not. Uh, we tried this out a couple times on our own. It's kind of a like a horde mode deck building game, I would call yeah, it. Kind of tower defense, yeah, in a way. Yeah. And uh, we've tried it with two players a couple times and got our butts kicked. Yep. <laughs> uh, we did try it with a third person and still got our butts kicked. Yeah, it's definitely a brutal game. So it's it, essentially it's got some deck building elements. Each player has their own um, deck of cards that have soldiers and what's called Xenostatham, which is essentially money in the game. Yes. And the game progresses through nine rounds where each each player is defending a certain part of this base. And every player gets their own wave of enemies on their player board. Yeah, and the, where the cooperative aspect jumps into play is you have like a buying round where players can buy cars and then deploy them onto their... They have these... There's these little lanes where... You know, half of the lane, four spots are for your soldiers and half the lane are for enemies. And they kind of meet in the middle and that's where all the battles take place. But where the cooperative aspect comes in is you can actually give cards and play cards for other players um, out of your hand, which therefore adds them to their deck. And then after the buying phase, you have the combat phase where each player resolves all of their fights against the enemies. Um, These guys are brutally They really are. I mean, mean, it's a tower defense game, so it's... the, the. the design is not to play it perfectly. It's just to play it well enough. It's to enough. play it to survive. I get that. But good Lord, we couldn't even survive. <laughs> no, I think I think we got to uh, the first time we played, we made it to so like I said, there's nine waves total that Did you have to survive. To, we made it to seven the first time. Yeah, but we were playing incorrectly. We were. I yeah. Think, look, it's your fault. You always read. I swear. It's there's always one rule. Always that one I mess rule up. with him. He's like, oh, by the way, we were playing this wrong. I'm like again yeah the second time the second time not so uh didn't fare as well we still uh, got to like five on the second one. we did we did so i when this was a kickstarter game and i backed it um last year when it was actually on kickstarter and then ward shipped out recently and came a lot of cool extras cool mini always has really good 
like add-ons to their Kickstarter campaigns where this one came with like foil cards, which were really nice. And they upgraded the cardboard tokens to plastic. And like the little lanes that you use for your cards and the enemy cards, they had nicer instead of just like little yeah, cardboard ones. They had nice like card, like thick, thick cardboard, cardboard ones. Yeah. The other ones were like card stock, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really good quality game. And I thought, and, and the funny thing is I think we would have liked it more had in between backing the Kickstarter and actually receiving the game, we hadn't gotten legendary encounters, yeah. which which I, I feel like it scratches it's, our itch a little better. It's a similar type of game. They're not exactly the same. Like legendary encounters is very much more traditional deck building style game. But I think the the, the issue that I have with Xenoshift is that it's you have the you have the buying phase, which takes place like simultaneously around the table, which is nice and quick. But then the combat phase where you're waiting for each player to resolve, it's 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 paced oddly. And I feel like that Alien or Legendary Encounters has it down to a really nice flow. Um, I can agree with that. Yeah. So I just like I said, I plus Legendary Encounters is equally brutal. (laughs) Uh, I think the last game that we played, both of us died of a chestburster. It was just not good. Yeah. But it's so like the Genesis shift. I, I thought for sure that it would suit us well. Um, it, it it just didn't do it for me. It just though. didn't gel with us. Yeah, we ended up uh, ended up trading it away. So we'll see. Uh, so I, I I got Beckin Copless, which is something that we've been looking at for, or at least I've been looking at for a while. I don't know if you've been looking we at looked it at it every time we went to the Dagoin Game Store. <laughs> what are you talking about? So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, Genesis onslaught. I, everyone everyone else I've talked to has enjoyed it thoroughly, but for us, it just didn't. Uh, just didn't hit home. Yeah. So the next one that I was actually so I went on a bit of a Martin Wallace buying kick because we didn't have any of his games, and I was curious to check some of those out. So we picked up uh, Brass, which we haven't played yet, um, but we we did get Mythotopia to the table, which again uh, it's published by Martin Wallace and Company, Tree Frog Games. Um, Martin, so Martin Wallace created a game a few years ago called A Few Acres of Snow, which was a two player. Um, deck building game that's also kind of like a war game where you're trying to control certain points on a board and that's how you win. Um, Mythotopia is sort of a pseudo sequel to that game. Um, whereas Few Acres Snow is two players exclusively, Mythotopia can do two players to four players. What it is essentially is, um, like I said, there's there's a board that's full of different territories and you're trying to control those territories which gets you victory points and you do that through acquiring basically building a deck of cards that lets you add armies and lets you supply food to your armies and And then you just beat crap out of each other yeah basically (laughs) and basically you've all these nice wars and there's also different objectives that you can fulfill um three of which are are standard in every game then there's four um objectives out of a deck of objective cards that are random from game to game um a lot of fun this one i liked it quite a bit um it actually reminded me oddly enough of concordia in some ways. Well, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, just with the whole... With the whole region thing. Region control and the deck build. I mean, Concordia is less of a deck building game, I guess, because you're only playing one card per turn. But I I understand what you mean. Yeah, so it's it's pretty good. Um, The theme is very blasé, I guess, kind of like standard fantasy, which is fine. I I mean, it does what it has to do. Well, that's one of the (laughs) objectives you might get is to try and conquer territories that have dragons uh, I slayed all the dragons you did but you still lost the game that's what's most important I I think that's one of the things I like most about this one is that it it gives the players a bit of control over when certain events happen in the game so like if you declare war 
in a country um, against your opponent, even if you're winning the war, it's up to the person who's in the lead, uh, whoever's winning that confrontation, when that war ends. So conceivably, you could like start a war with your opponent in a country that you know they're going to defend only to attack them elsewhere where they're after you've thinned out their defenses because you have a limited supply of army units that you can contribute to battle. So like I kind of like that. Um, the players also get to determine the end of the game. So you get to this point where one like one player knows the other can win. So they're trying to do everything they can to shore up their defenses. Well, I like that it was it actually felt really good with just the two of us. Like I'm sure it'd be great with more people, but it actually really scaled well for just us. Which was surprising because the map that is used in the game is it's the same large. regardless of how many players that you're using. So. But yeah, Mythotopia, um, good first impression. Uh, nice to see the 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 issue. You, you might not know this. The the issue that the that a few acres of snow had is that it had like this dominant strategy that could be accomplished that they nicknamed the Halifax Hammer, where one player could essentially win if they followed a very specific set of uh, set of things. And this obviously does not have anything like that, which is which is good. Um, but yeah, I I I, I dig it. I, it's something that I don't know if we'll play all the time, but We'll definitely see us That's playing it again. Probably every once, yeah, every couple of weeks. Out, just, just it's, it's really long. It's the only thing, so can be. That's an after bedtime thing. Hun. Yes, <laughs> after after baby bedtime. Yes. So, but yeah, Mythotopia. Check well, that obviously out. not after our bedtime. <laughs> Jeez. Uh actually, the other night we played uh, Sun Tzu. It is a it is a two player game, right? It's two player only. Yeah. Yeah. Um. He kicked my butt. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I he yeah. It was it was bad. I think I was just a little uh trepidatious. Yeah. Is a good word. Yeah, that would be good. Um basically you it's another area control game and you're trying to put armies into these different regions and uh whoever has control of those regions at the end of the what is it, third, sixth and ninth rounds, mm-hmm. you score points. And uh, if the, I forget how many points it is on the score track. Well, it's it's um it's, it's kind of like a tug of war almost. Oh, okay. There's a, it's not really a score track so much as like a score marker that a goes back and scale. forth. Yeah, between one <laughs> to the other. And the, the goal is you're trying to have have the score have marker in your favor well, by the time the game ends. Yeah. Or at least have the same number of points as the other person so that uh, it doesn't move in anybody's favor. Yeah. So, I did not do a very good no, job of that. You did not. So <laughs> he almost won after the third round. <laughs> after the, you won for the first scoring, you mean? Yeah. So the no. way it works is that each each province in the game is worth a variable amount of points, depending on which scoring phase. Yeah, because it, it it'll change from the third from the first scoring to the second to the third, and and you know when the game starts how much it's going to be worth. So it's kind of like you have to manage your troops most effectively. Was, like knowing what's coming. Yeah, but see, the problem for me was like they have they have these what Brad calls one off cards where you use them and then that's it for their game and they're gone. Yeah. So and I just I was uh, being very uh, cautious, yeah, frugal with my one off. So cards. so to to explain that, so the way that you deploy your troops onto the map is you have a deck of cards and each player has an identical deck basically, and they have cards that are valued one through six and then they have a bunch of other cards that run seven through ten and there's also cards that are worth exactly one more army or exactly than the card you're playing play or one less or so on and so forth and there are also plague cards which will wipe out half your army or half the armies on the board basically mm-hmm. in that province and and each round you place one of these cards in 
each of the provinces of and then you yeah. compare them. So like if, if we compared cards in one province and I had a five and Emily had a two, um, I would win by three and then swing the the tide of control by three armies in my favor in that area basically so either i would put three units down or if or emily had units i would remove out. hers yeah and, and and make it so you know how however that would work out so and but the one through six cards you get back into your hand every round whereas every other card in the deck once you've used it once it's gone so you have to really yeah, use them when it's most the opportune sixth card the sixth card you can only use once per per province, province yeah so it's so that one's also kind of limited as well really neat game um I'm I'm glad that you don't dislike it after getting beat pretty bad in it. That was really bad. That was really really bad. Well, to, to, I haven't gotten beat that bad in a game since. I mean, that was almost as bad as when I beat you in water. That's not very nice to say. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have to check I that think one that out again. Been a little worse though. Uh, that was pretty bad. That was pretty bad. We talked about that last week. That was pretty awful. So uh, the next one we we got was um. The, we, we briefly touched on it last week. The fifth game in the Rabbits line from Dice Hate Me, um, Isle of Trains, which was designed by Dan Keltner and Seth Jaffe. Um, this is one, it's sort of a pick-up-and-deliver game of sorts where you're trying to build a train um, and, and transport and goods, transport goods and, to certain areas yeah. to earn victory points. Um, and it's one of these games where e- each of the cards has can be used either as a train or as a good, or um, to pay for building parts of your train, basically. So it's 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 got that sort of um, like San Juan on a smaller scale sort of feel, I guess. Really? Because when I said that the other day, you were like, no. Mm. Did I say no? Yeah, you said no. Mm. And I was like, no, that's definitely what it is. Yeah, well, the well, if I, well then I must not have been listening very well, because that's definitely what it feels like. You never like. listen to me. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? Um, the thing I like about this game, though, is that each of the train cars has a bonus on it, but the only way that you can get the bonus is, is if, if you, you play other people's train cards. Yes. So, so you have to basically load other players trains with goods in order to use the bonus that's on that train car. You can't do it if you load your own train, which is a really neat way to make sure that there's no like, like if one person just gets really lucky and has a you ridiculously good draw cards. For yeah. Your, you know? Yeah. So it's so very cool. What did, what did you think about it? Cause um, I actually, I really liked it a lot. You know, like I said, it's a quick one, which is always good. You know, nice little filler game for us. And uh, I really, like I said, you know how I am with pick up and deliver games. I'm, it, <laughs> it has to be really good, or it's just not going to be my thing. But yeah, I really enjoyed this one a lot. Better, but is is it above Pie Factory or is it? No, I still love Pie Factory because who doesn't love pie? Seriously, <laughs> it's it. Ugh, I love that one. I'll trade is pretty good though. Like I said, I, I slept on that one. I actually, uh, I remember on the Kickstarter, I was like, yeah, I don't know. And it's, it's actually, uh, it's pretty solid. I like it quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, w- oh, we were playing the other night. We played parade, um, is quickly become one of our, one of our favorite little well, it's funny card games. We bought it months ago. Yes. Because I saw it and I was like, Ooh, it's Alice in Wonderland themed and I'm a big book nerd and I love all things books. And I was like, honey, can we please get this? Okay, let's try it out. Well, and we played it like once or twice and it didn't, we, I don't know what, like, it wasn't, we disliked it, but we didn't really pick it up again after that for a while. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like in the past, like two weeks, I think we played it four or five times because yeah. I'm just like, let's play parade. <laughs> um, I 
I don't even know. It's it's one of those ones. It's like a set collection game. Mm-hmm. But, well, it's, it's like an anti-set collection game. Like you're trying well, not to collect cards as well, much as possible. Yes, but if you are going to collect cards, you want to collect the most of those cards. Yeah. Right. So. so it's 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 hard to explain it. So basically, there's a <laughs> there's a line of cards, and each of these the way the decks built, there's they six different colors, to, and there go zero to ten. Yeah. So there's there's eleven different cards in six different colors, and on each of your turn, you're playing a card from your hand to the back of this parade line, basically. And if it's if the card that you play, if the value of it is higher than the number of cards that are in line already, nothing happens. Um, but if it's less than the number of cards, then you may have to take some of the cards from the parade line. But basically. you only have to take cards of the same color, or, or this, or a lower value, or a lower value basically. Card. But what's also cool about it is that so, like, let's say there's seven cards in line, and I play a three, I would get to ignore the first three cards regardless of what color or number they were. And then the only ones that I'd have to take from would be the next of the next four. So even if you put down a card that, you know, kind of turns on the parade line, you might still not have to take anything depending on what. Depending. Yeah. yeah. Depending on what's in the line. Exactly. And then like Emily alluded to, um, the way it works is at the end of the game um, for every card that you have to take, you have to you get points equal to his face value. And you're trying to have the lowest number of points to win the game. But if you have a majority of a certain color you have to have two more than the well, other in, person in the, the two-player game well, uh, well, yeah, that's yeah. not that's not in the regular game but no. in the two-player game you have to have two more cards than the other player of, of a specific color. color and if you do you can flip them over and they're worth one point a piece instead of whatever the face value is printed on the card so like she said if you're going to take cards you want to take as many as possible of, right. a, of a specific color to negate the the point bonus and the other thing that it does at the end of the game which i think is really clever is when the game ends you're left with four cards in your hand and you get to pick two cards yeah out secretly of your you to pick keep. two to keep that put in your tableau that the other player doesn't know so if you know they might think that they have a majority where they can flip the cards over and then you might be able to you know get it from them yeah you mean like you tried to do to me there yes which did still didn't work. It still didn't work because <laughs> I still kicked his butt. Ah. No, this this the game. We've been like really taken by it. Yeah. Well, and I, of course I love the artwork because, like I said, big book nerd. Yeah, it's. I mean, the, the cards do look cool. Um, like and, like you said, Alice Wonderland theme. I don't care what anyone tells me. Lewis Carroll was on drugs when he wrote that. I don't think there's much debate about that. <laughs> oh, I have had heated debates about this with people. <laughs> believe me. I thought that was like a fact, but this isn't a, a book podcast. Um, the last game we're going to talk about that we played, um, we bought this one on kind of a whim, I guess. I'd heard some stuff about it. You'd seen some stuff about it. Um, it's Lanterns, uh, the Harvest Festival uh, by Christopher Chung. It was published by Foxtrot Games. This is a, um, a tile laying game where there's also like a set collection aspect as well, where you're, it's, it's kind of cool because the tiles, are they they have, they're four sided um and they each have a color of lantern on each of the sides of the tile and depending on how you place the tile in relation to the other players determines the color they they have these you know tiny cards that you collect and that determines the color they get so if i place a tile and it, and the red lanterns are facing me um i get i take a red card but the other players at the table also take whatever color card corresponds to the side that faces them Mm-hmm. which is kind of nifty and then if you do match a tile 
with a light color on another tile, you get to take like a bonus card of that color as well. And you're, you're essentially trying to make sets. Um, they have different, uh, different like, like goals to get uh, victory points. Like one's a set of four of the same color mm. gets you points. Um, one of each of the seven colors will get you points. Uh, three sets of two of the same color. What was the other one? Is there one more? No, that's it. It was, just, it was just those three. Or was, uh, did you say one of every color? Yeah, you I did, did say that. Okay. Um, pretty pretty good game for us. It's it's a real quick like it's you can play it in twenty minutes. It's sort of a, um, I mean for us it's a filler game for yeah. sure. Like it's not something that we're gonna. It's not like a main eventer, but easy to easy to teach. Um, easy to play. It plays up to four players, but it plays well with two. Um, they scale the number of cards that are available in each color. Um, depending on how many players are playing, which I think this will be a good one to introduce to friends, yeah, who, who aren't into gaming like we are. Yeah, it's definitely light. It's um, I would even put it like a step below, like Carcassonne. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. Like of a similar style. Carcassonne has a bit more strategy, especially the way we play. Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah, the cutthroat <laughs> the variant. <laughs> cutthroat Carcassonne. But th- this one's like I said, it's a good game. Um. Cool art. I mean, the tiles are nice and colorful. Um, the little cars that you I'm get. I'm a sucker are, for tile games. We well, the, see, that's the thing. Like, we've been looking for a really good. Uh, like, the, there surprisingly aren't a ton of excellent like tile laying games out there. At least that I've seen. Um, so we've you know always on the lookout for something like that. I will say though, when we opened it up, we're weirdos. We smell the game components. <laughs> we're not the only ones. That do that. Oh my and god. Okay, the punch boards for this one smelled so bad. It smelled like someone sprayed a can of spray paint in the box. <laughs> like, uh, ugh, ugh, it was gross. <laughs> Hit you right in the face, too. It did, it, it did. <laughs> but, yeah, very cool game. I also like that, so, like, the game comes with, like, something like 30 tiles, I think, mm-hmm. and you don't, you only use a fraction of them in the game, so you're very much, like, you can't game it out. You can't, like, predict what tiles are going to show up because it really is um, unpredictable. You just kind of have to play what you're given so good game um i don't know if we missed anything by not backing the kickstarter i know this is another kickstarter game well didn't we get the little wooden tokens anyway i think that was yeah that was just a regular old upgrade but it was it was solid like i said it was um worth checking out if you see it i think uh it's lanterns uh the harvest festival so that's uh that's all we've been playing um so we'll take a short break when we come back uh all about stefan feld and uh what we think about his game so stay tuned All right, welcome back. Um, so yeah, all about Stefan Feld. So our, you know, probably the designer. If I had to say, you know, our favorite one between the two of us, it would probably be Stefan Feld for sure. Yeah, he actually, um, when we very first got into the hobby, um, he was one of the. He was the designer of one of the first games we bought, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, that was Castles of Burgundy, which was. You know, of course, like we're playing it, we're like, oh my god, why is there so much stuff? It was kind of overwhelming well, little, little at first, and we're just like, and then we started playing it, and it was just like, oh my god, this is so good. So why why do you so why do you think um why do you like Feld's games so much? Like why do you gravitate towards them? Uh, um, I don't even know. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just really like his games. Yeah. For for me it's it's the 
most of his games offer like multiple paths to victory. Um, you know, there's no there's no dominant strategy in any of them. Um, I like the point salad feel. You know, it's fun to get points for <laughs> like everything that you do basically in the game. Pretty pretty much, he's like the anti um, Uwe Rosenberg essentially. Like Uwe Rosenberg games very restrictive on points. Stefan Feld, he just throws them out like they're candy <laughs> basically as they go along. Um, and I think one of the reasons why we've gravitated towards his game so much is because he does a really nice job um, scaling them among, you know, different player counts and especially for two players. So a um, couple, so we talked about castles and Burgundy and, you know, the way he does it in that game is that you have, a proportional amount of options available to you depending on how many players are playing the game. So like the little spots that have on the board that have the different buildings is directly related to the number of players right. that are playing. So if you only have two players, there's only, you only half the spots. Filled. Amount of spots right. Yeah. Where if it's four players, you'd have the full contingent. So, and that's kind of like a common theme with a lot of these games. He uses the, you know, proportions instead of, instead of cutting off like part of the game or making, you know, one of the mechanics of the game less effective. I guess you can say it just limits the amount of things in play. Yeah, which is like I said, which 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 is nice because you get the same Feel. general experience right. than you would if you were playing it, you know, at a higher player count, basically. So that's so Castle de Burgundy works really well. Um, the one that I know caught me off guard that you enjoyed it as much as you did was Trajan, which is probably can we say it's your favorite? Oh, that is definitely my favorite film. Okay. I, I can't, like, hands down, I love Trajan. But what is it about that one that, uh... Because, okay, I really like the thinkiness, if that makes sense. Like, I really have to plan out, because they have the little, they have, like, a little Mancala board kind of thing, and you have to really plan out what you're going to do to see, you know, cause you put your things on different spots and where well, you your land, little action markers, that's where you, that, that's what action you take. So you really have to plan it out and see, I said, I love, I'm a puzzle person. I love puzzles. And that's like a giant puzzle to me to try and figure out, okay, how am I going to get to this to do all the things that I want to do? Yep. I just, I do. I love it. <laughs> and, and I also like in that one. So like in, in Trajan, you're going to generally have the same, amount of actions every game because it's there's there's like a time track in the game right and de- and depending on how many of your little action markers that you pick up out of one of your mancala bowls at the start of your turn um determines how many spots you move on that marker which is kind of like the timer for the game essentially but you can manipulate the game to earn extra actions mm-hmm. there, there's tiles you can pick up that'll give you um like extra actions depending on what part of the little town that you visit i guess um, and then you can even get like multiplier markers to get to more actions more on top actions. of that. So and, and that's that's kind of the key to that game. Um, now, I got to tell you, this game, this is one Brad waffled back and forth. He's like, should I or shouldn't I? Should I or shouldn't I? And finally, he's like, all right, honey, I pulled the trigger. I got this game. He said, I'm going to tell you. He's like, it's a heavy game. I'm like, OK. So I'm thinking, oh, God, it's going to be a brain drain for me. Nope. We put it on the table by the third. I think by the third turn in, I got it. Like yeah. it clicked and I was just like, all right, I got this. And then he's just looking at me and he's like, I really love my wife. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> now, surprisingly, the the one and it we're, we're weird like this. So like the two, probably the two most critically acclaimed fell games. We hated are ones that we don't <laughs> like at all. So, so Bora Bora, we, we were done with after one play. 
Like didn't because even, we were bora bored. That was really lame, but yeah, we, <laughs> we, it was very Emily. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, that one didn't click with us for whatever reason. Like I, I did like the like the dice mechanic of using the you know being limited to what action you could select depending on what dice you had. But for whatever reason, like it just didn't, it just didn't do it for us. I don't know what it was, but like yeah, both of us were kind of like very meth faced after. After yeah. playing that one. Now, Macau, we gave three plays. We did. And I feel it was, like it was a forced three plays. I just, I'm like, okay, well, we'll maybe, see, that's, maybe, maybe it'll get better after. But that one, I think, suffers in the two player. Like, I, yeah, I and that's, that's what I was about to say. As, as, good as, yeah. as good as he usually is for designing games that, uh, that work well across multiple players, I think Macau is probably one of his least good um, two player designs for that one because it takes the, like they have this mechanic where you can move um one of your markers along the the city wall right. and that determines not only turn order but also it determines the uh I think it's a tiebreaker if I'm not mistaken for the end so, of the yeah. game and in a two player game there's really not a lot of incentive to making sure that you're going earlier in turn order because you're going to generally get whatever those like action cards that you need Regardless, like the very rarely are, are both players ever competing over the same card, right? Yeah, in in that one. Um, so that and that was okay. Like, and we th- we did give that one a lot of shot. Like, we tried it three times. Um, and it just it didn't. Just, uh, it just didn't jive. No. Yeah, like I said, I would have I would have liked to play that one with more people because I think you're right. I think it would have. Uh, yeah. Would have would have been a little would bit better, better experience. experience. Um. Now Bruges, Bruges. That's probably my second favorite. That was funny because I remember showing you a video review of that one and you look completely just, nonplussed by it. You're I like, just, that looks really boring. I rolled my eyes. I'm like, really? Yeah, I got it. Really? And I, I found it on sale. And so I couldn't resist picking it up. And, and then once we got that, we were good to go. Yeah, we played it. And it was the first playthrough. I was like, OK, I'm, I'm sold. Yep. <laughs> so that's another one of those ones where you have cards that do like the cards, all, all your cards actions. Cards that have basically. multiple functions. Mm-hmm. Because you can use the cards for actions, you play the cards for points at the end of the game, you play the cards for, you know, screwing the other person mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah. But, but and what's funny, though, is that even though it works very well and, like, we enjoy playing it two players, I think the most fun I ever had playing that game was when we played a four-player game one time and had the full continue. Yeah, on Tabletop Day. Yeah, cause it, because I, cause the, in the four-player game, those threat markers became like much more of a important yeah. factor basically i have to agree but it's still really good with two like it works just fine like and we we play it with two players the vast majority of the time and still yeah. enjoy quite matter a bit. of fact we just bought the expansion and uh we have yet to play it so mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to that we'll see how that goes yeah, like that cool. as like little boats boats yeah Oh, and emphasizes canal building too so you'll like that yeah. that's your that's your that's your I preferred strategy anyway building. in that game he hates it. I dine out on that stuff. So we also one of your other favorites um, is Amerigo. Which, oh my uh, god, Amerigo! The, the giant felt game. Yeah, the one that won't fit in one of our cubes in our in our storage unit yep. it has to go on top of it. So, but that's another one I think that does a nice job scaling, the, just because of the size of the board is going to be a little bit different. The thing that I love is the cube tower. Well, of course you do. Like, it's is, the best part of the game. That is like the coolest thing. We fight over who gets to put the cubes in the tower. It's seriously terrible. <laughs> so yeah, and, and that one's cool because it's got sort of like a area control. Not really an area control, I guess, because it's not really variable, but you're trying to 
capture as much of the you know land as possible. And then it's like a puzzle because you gotta fit the pieces. The Tetris, yeah. The Tetris thing. Yes. It's got it's got set collection in it. It's because of all the um the different goods that you Everything can. Everything Mama loves. Pick up. Yeah, it's it's an excellent game. We don't. It's I don't know why we don't play that one as often because though. it takes forever to set up. It does take forever <laughs> to set up. That's true. It comes in this giant like coffin box basically. And then this. I remember when we got it, we had to email the company because our pieces were offset. Well, it happens every now and then. There, Queen Queen was really good about but getting those replaced like, pretty quickly. I, I swear, I, the one thing I love about this is, I swear, if we get a game and there's some components that are subpar, and you email the company, you're like, oh, we're so sorry. You know, we knew about this. Here, what's your address? We'll send you out new parts. I'm like, this is, Bene- you know, Benefit of a cottage industry, so. Awesome customer service in the board game industry. So. Feld did um, make a specific two-player game, uh, which was well, the Roma series. So he made Roma, and then he made Arena, which was Roma Two. Um, we tried it. Well, we 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 tried it a couple times. Like we we played this the first time we played it. We were like, okay, and then you liked it more than I did. True, true. I just uh, this it's co- sort of like a um, I don't want to call it a tableau builder because there's like a line of that goes across the center of the table. And you're playing these cards, and they're either people or they're buildings on either side. But you're playing them against one another. Kind of, sort of. And then on each of your turn, you roll dice, and whatever you roll determines the actions that you can do, because you can basically activate cards that you have in the slots that correspond to the different faces of the die. But see, that's the thing. You guys will learn through the course of the show, the dice hate Emily. It's true. They hate me so bad. (laughs) And... Well, and, and what that one comes down to, it's sort of like a, um, it's a t- tug of war of sorts because there's a limited number of victory points and you're trying to not only collect them yourself, but take them away from your opponent as well. I just didn't have fun with it. No, and it's one of those games where like if you find a, if you've happened into like a killer combo, then the other you're, pretty much, yeah, you're, pretty, you're pretty much guaranteed victory, you know, unless the other person can find a card to eliminate the the combo car that you're really going to town on which like i said i found it funny that that one just didn't click as well um considering like i said he's every all his other stuff scales pretty decently so i don't know why that one didn't really do it for us that um we also did not care too much for, for the speaker stat yeah and I, I think i know why because that one relies heavily on an auction which auctions suck with two players depending on the game like that i will say that one did it better than most because it wasn't like a like a bidding auction i still feel it's just not it's not a good mechanic for two people it's well it's not because you only have one other person to play off of obviously i think the other reason why i i think more for me the reason why i didn't like it is because it was really obvious on repeat plays that the game was going to become kind okay. of too predictable do this do this and this is the path to victory yeah because I the cards the cards came out in the same not necessarily the same well, order but the same groupings and essentially. it's like in any any game like that you know you have this amount of cards you're going to learn through plays which cards are the best cards to get and yeah once yeah. you do that then it just kind of like okay what's the point so the last two that uh the last two new ones that we've picked up uh of his were aquasphere yes and la isla as well i love aquasphere the aquasphere is it's probably the most like trajan of his designs that we've played besides trajan of course trajan yeah well i mean <laughs> just just that where you have like all these different 
actions that are available to Just you. Just use my word and say thinky. But it's but it's like it reminds me of Trajan because, like I said, you have all these possible actions that you can do, and you're not really limited to not doing any of them. So you can kind of like do whatever you want, essentially. But it's all kind of making it making them work together and flowing them together. I don't think we've given that one enough of our time yet too. We've only played it a couple of times. And one time I set it up and I got to tell you. Oh, that gave me a headache. Yeah, so I'm I'm usually the one that sets up stuff. I know Emily, you've been trying to I'm, I'm tr- get better I'm, at it. I'm trying. So, but the first two she picks to set up on her own were that and then Kanban. Panama, or was was it Kanban? I thought it was, it was Panamax it was con- that you did. No, I've set up three. I set up all three. Of oh, okay, those. yeah. So, like the worst three games that you could possibly set up that are very confusing. especially considering one of those three, the two player thing is like at the back of the book. But yeah, Aquasphere, um, like I said, very cool game. Um, the one <laughs> I will say, I, I remember you were really excited about the theme of that one. Yes. And I'm not sure why, because the one thing Feld's games do not have is a very strong thematic okay. connection. Because I love things that have to do with sea life and that kind of stuff. And the little meeples are adorable. But the game doesn't have anything to do I with that. I don't care. The meeples are adorable. Yeah. Like, like I said, I can give Shut or take it. the theme for his games. I really don't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm more about the mechanisms. Laisla, you're more... So I remember after the first play, you were kind of lukewarm on it. Did you... Did you like it better the second time? Yeah, because I understood it more. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And it's funny because that one's actually kind of lighter too. Like I don't yeah, really think it it's was, that that heavy. I, I, it wasn't that. It was just like I'm trying to. Uh, I don't know. It's having trouble figuring out what to do because mm. there's just so much on the board. I'm like, what do I do now? But I think after the first playthrough, I kind of understood a little better. So the second time, I did better. Yeah. Well, yeah. Definitely, you definitely did. As far as the. As far I didn't as the get lapped the goes. second time. No, you did not. So, but so that's that's pretty much all we've played at Fell. And obviously, we've missed a couple of the um, other games that are a little bit tougher to find nowadays. We're hoping for reprints one day. Well, Luna is coming out um, later, I think, this year from Tasty Minstrel. Um, who knows with like Notre Dame or In the Year of the Dragon, probably is not going to see a reprint or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so if you had to recommend let's just say three felds to play if you're going to play them exclusively two player which do you think that you'd recommend of all the ones we've Trajan, talked about of course yeah because i think that one works really well because we've played that with more players and it works equally well with two or more um probably bruges because i love bruges that's mm-hmm. great uh and castles probably okay yeah i agree with two out of three i probably What's wouldn't your third i wouldn't put bruges on the list like really? ca- yeah castles and trade I'm, I'm saying for two players specifically like if you were going to play with two like us play with two people the majority of the yeah, time but we really like bruges we do but i don't i don't i really don't know if that I, it's it's a better game with more people i really think it is there's more strategy with more people um the other game that i would put out of those would probably be I think Amerigo is probably the one that plays plays the best, you know, at the lower counts. Let's put that on the to playlist. Fair enough. Fair enough. We can do that. But yeah, I think I think Amerigo more than Bruges, I think, is a is a better two player experience. But like I said, most of his games um do really well across all of those counts. Um 
And he and that's why he's a good guy to have in your collection is because he will work for two player nights. He'll work when you have a few more people over. Most of his stuff is relatively easy to learn for the most part. Like it's there's some complex mechanisms at first, but once you kind of see how everything works together, um, I think it's far less confusing for his games as you go along. So, but like I said, we love him. We love all of his games. Um, so that's why Not he's all. well, most of his games, most of his games. <laughs> We, uh, so that's why he's like the first designer we wanted to look at. Um, this is something we'll do again periodically, looking at some of our other uh, favorite favorite folks yeah, out there. Yeah, forgive us. We're still trying to figure this thing out. <laughs> we well, maybe, maybe not him because he does other podcasts, but I, this is my first foray into this, so I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I think you're doing fine. So, well, Thank you, dear. But that, uh, So that'll be the end of episode two. Um, so thanks again for tuning in and listening. Um, just a reminder that we are affiliated with the Nerdpocalypse Studios network of shows. Um, so check those out when you can. Um, just go to the nerdpocalypse.com. You can see all the podcasts that are available within the network, um, including the Nerdpocalypse, which is a geek culture podcast that covers music, or not music, movies, comic books, TV, you science can go and tech. Go to Dense Pixels, which yep. Brad hosts, which is all about video games. Yep, you can check out Black on Black Cinema, which is our uh, our look at black cinema movies that are out there. Um, Mouthful of Toasts, our anime show, um, and then if you also you can also can subscribe to the membership that we have, premium membership. It's only five bucks a month. Gets you access to our premium shows, including No Time to Bleed, which is all about action movies. It's fantastic. It is fantastic. <laughs> um, look forward to political podcasts and then a show called The Airing of Grievances, where uh, where Jay and Micah take a look at their life through Seinfeld, basically. Which oh, is an that's interesting awesome. Show. Uh, it's very it's a very funny show. If you've never, uh, I haven't heard it yet. It okay, I'm gonna have to listen. And then just a reminder too, uh, again, Twitter and Facebook, Tabletop for Two on those, Instagram. Um, you can check us out on Podbean, Stitcher Radio, fingers crossed for iTunes next Maybe week. Maybe iTunes one of these years. Yep, we'll see. Like I said, I'm sure, I'm sure they just have to iron out something on their end. But yeah, that's it. And please give us your feedback. We appreciate it. It'll help us grow and uh, get better at this thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, but again, thanks for listening and we'll see you guys in a couple weeks with our next episode. Bye. Peace.